Hello from Cybrary, and welcome to the show. If you've been enjoying the Cybrary podcast or 401 Access Denied, then make sure to like, follow, and subscribe so that you don't miss any future episodes. We'd love to hear from you. Join the discussion by leaving us a comment or review on your platform of choice or emailing us at podcast at cybrary.it. From all of us at Cybrary, thank you and enjoy the show. On this episode of the Cybrary Podcast, come on over to the dark side with Matt Mullins, the red teamer and penetration tester who is here to help you think like an adversary. Cybrary course manager Jen Barnaby talks with Matt about his Cybrary courses that teach you how to exploit and mitigate the latest critical vulnerabilities, including Log4j, Hive Nightmare, and more. Considering a path forward in offensive security, then you'll love hearing about how Matt's career aspirations evolved from Buddhism studies to the help desk farm to penetration testing. From Zen to Zap, he has a lot to share about taking risks and learning new tools. Hello, and welcome to the Cybrary Podcast. I'm Jen Barnaby. I'm one of the course managers here at Cybrary. And today I'm so excited to welcome one of our technical subject matter experts and instructors, Matt Mullins. Hey, thanks for having me on. Yeah. So Matt is um, has led multiple red team engagements, ranging from a few weeks to a year, covering multiple security domains and industries like medical, financial, and government. And outside of red teaming, Matt is also a seasoned penetration tester with interests in AppSec, OSINT, hardware, Wi-Fi, social engineering, and physical security. Matt has a master's degree in information assurance and an exhaustive number of certifications, ranging from frameworks, management, and hands-on hacking. And like I said, Matt is a technical SME for us at Cybrary, and he focuses on adversarial emulation and red teaming for course content. Yeah. Yeah. So we're so excited to have you. I've been looking forward to this and um, we love having our instructors on, give our learners um, a chance to get to know you guys, um, you know, beyond just the course content. So I wanted to ask you, you know, how you got your start in the industry and, you know, what your early roles were and and everything like that. Yeah. Um, so I've always kind of had an interest in, in hacking and red teaming, um, you know, uh, when I was a kid. Uh, I was interested in a lot of things related to this. You know, um, my first experiences with a PC, I was, I was one of those kids that took everything apart, um, you know, trying to modify his save game files and things like that. Um, so there was the interest was there, um, you know, and as I got older and, you know, the interest in technology kind of took me towards the help desk, uh, help desk farm slash help desk queue. Uh, after doing that for a bit, you know, I did get to upgrade towards um, an incident management role where basically we were the uh, the voice network firefighters. You know, if there was an issue, we would dump router logs uh, or router configs, open up general incident management bridges or gym bridges, et cetera, et cetera. And so, you know, I kind of figured out that I wanted to do something security related uh, as I got into IT, you know, and... Um, so as a result of that, uh, you know, there was a course that was available at Capital One that was offered to us. It was a kind of a how to hack class. And uh, someone really helped me kickstart my career, Ty Sabano, who I think is the current CISO for, um, or CISO for SciSense, which is a San Francisco, I don't know if they're a startup, I think they're publicly traded now, but a pretty, pretty cool company in regards to data analysis and security. Um, you know, he gave me that opportunity. He was teaching the class. I came in, my mind was blown. I was like, this is the coolest stuff ever. And of course, I knew nothing. So I was starting from total ground zero. Um, and, uh, you know, as I went through it, I asked him, I was like, hey, this is really cool. You know, um, if there's any chance in the future for me to be able to join your team, I'd love to. I'm currently studying for, you know, my CEH, et cetera, et cetera. 
And, um, you know, he, he gave me that opportunity and he afforded me the capability of once I completed the class to, you know, go through the interview process and, and see how much I truly knew. And if there was anything that they could work with, you know, kind of uh, thinking about like a block of clay, can we mold this into something or is it a little too dried out already? <laughs> um, and so, you know, I, uh, they took it upon themselves to, to take me under their wing and I joined their team. And, and from there I went from, you know, application security and pen testing to, you know, doing some other application security stuff like uh, control review and some uh, code review and things like that. But I was really interested in the hands-on hacking. And, uh, you know, from there, I went uh, to a number of different positions and eventually made my way towards red teaming. And, uh, you know, red teaming has really been something I found a lot of joy with. You know, like you had said earlier, there's a lot of random stuff as you were kind of going through, like, oh, you do OSINT and hardware and, you know, advanced adversarial dog walking and things like that. Um, <laughs> you know, so it's such a wide umbrella of skills that you can use because really it's just wide open, right? Whereas a pen test, you have one week, you know, with red teaming, if you're in a really good continuous environment or annual environment, you know, it's really, how are we going to get in and meet our objective? And so, you know, that's really how it started. Um, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of work that was done and, you know, I'm definitely not a, a special case where I was a genius where I was gifted or anything like that. It was a lot of stuff where I just would walk in and be like, all right. You know, like the John Travolta gift that everybody sees where he's like looking left and looking right, like <laughs> from Pulp Fiction. That's pretty much how I felt through the majority of the beginning of my career. And, um, you know, uh, I think it's something that can be a little bit of a testimony that, you know, even if you aren't the best at it, if you keep, keep practicing and you keep studying and you keep going, you'll get there. So, yeah. Yeah, that's great. I mean, just to think that you, you know, you started out help desk and, um, and, you know, eventually got into something where you realized there was like a whole security angle, you know, you'd been taking things apart and, um, and, you know, figuring out your way around things and games and stuff like that is like an almost, you know, hobby, fun thing to do. And then realized, you know, later on, there's like a whole industry and, and career field around that. So that's, that's really yeah. great. Um, did you, um, you know, originally study this in school or did you, you know, kind of start in a different area and then move into um, sort of the security infosec kind of area? Yeah, I definitely started in a different field. Uh, my bachelor's is in religious studies. Um, my interest was in uh, Buddhism and Hinduism. Uh, so wow. uh, that's kind of a hard pivot, you know, another, <laughs> another gift of references, uh, you know, the Seinfeld one where they're trying to get the sofa up the stairs and they're like, pivot, you know, yeah. it, was a, it was a hard pivot. But, um, you know, when I got in and I started uh, doing, you know, the, the standard help, stack, help desk stuff and then going into incident management, you know, really realizing, hey, I, I want to double down on this. I think this is something that's really cool. Um, I did a lot of research on the field when I was on the phones, you know, it's like, where do I want to go? What do I want to do? what sounds like a cool job, you know, mm -hmm. you know, we've all seen you know, hackers in movies and, and things like that. And, you know, it's just something that really sparks the imagination and has captured a lot of attention recently, especially, you know, in the last yeah. decade. And so, um, you know, just thinking about it and be like, yep, let's, uh, let's go for this and keep going. Even if I fail an exam for a certification or, you know, I didn't do, do too great on a grad course for encryption or something like that initially, uh -huh. you know, keep going, keep practicing, keep learning. So. Yeah, that's so interesting. You're mentioning, you know, Buddhism and everything. And I, I did a little snooping on your LinkedIn profile and I saw that you studied Chinese as well. Was that part of that interest there or was it just you were interested in that language or or whatever? It was um, it was a little bit of both. Uh, I got a really good friend uh, that I, I grew up with, uh, Mr. Jason Jones. And, um, you know, he and I had had a strong interest in Japanese and Korean culture. Uh, he's mm -hmm. Korean. And, okay. um, you know, when we were going towards the end of our four-year degrees, like, man, we should do a study abroad. 
like, what's a cool study abroad we could do? And, uh, you know, he's like, let's go to China, man. And I was like, yeah, let's do it. And so <laughs> there's tons of cool Buddhist temples that we got to visit. There's uh-huh. tons of great culture, you know, great food. And then obviously having some exposure to Chinese culture and exposure to just being in China for a couple mm-hmm. months, um, mm-hmm. it, it makes for a curious perspective in regards to the current landscape with information security. Yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, it was a little bit of those interests, but it was, um, I mean, it was an adventure too, because I, I personally don't know many people who have been there. You know, yeah. uh, a lot of people have been abroad in some capacity, but it's been kind of a, a unique identifier for myself uh, to be all like, oh yeah, I studied at Bay Y. BFSU, um, Beijing Foreign Studies University, you know, uh-huh. we, we ran up Mount Tai, you know, with, uh, with one of the guys in the, the crew team at VCU and, you know, just uh-huh. fun stories, right? Yeah, <laughs> no, that's great. I, a developer I used to work with, um, I think his wife is Chinese and he ended up doing the, uh, he and I were both into endurance sports and stuff like that. So we talked a lot about that and he ended up doing the Great Wall of China marathon or something and oh, got wow. to go over there. And that was really cool to hear about that. So, um, I can really relate to that, but, um, <laughs> well, that's really cool. I mean, and also, you know, you mentioned the the gentleman that, you know, got you that job as, um, basically a penetration, penetration tester. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, so, I mean, I think everybody kind of thinks of those people that were mentors or gave them their break or whatever. And so that's really cool that you, you know, you kind of attribute it to that. And I wonder if you, um, you kind of mentioned, you know, you maybe you weren't always the best, but you just kept going and, um, you know, what kind of, um, situations did you have where you like, it kind of felt like imposter syndrome maybe and stuff like that. Oh yeah. Uh, that happens a lot. (laughs) Um, you know, like the first pen test that I was on, you know, you get there, you have burp suite set up, you're proxying things and you're like, and, uh, you look around and you're like, I have no idea what I'm doing. I guess I'll look for a cross-site scripting script alert script. Like, I guess we'll see what happens. Um, but I think that this field also is a field that a lot of people, if you're in a good environment with a good team, right. Mm -hmm. That's the little asterisks, like, uh, you know, all sales final or whatever mm-hmm. <laughs> attached to the end of it. But if you're with a good team, there's going to be a desire to want to share and there's going to be a desire to want to improve the team and build them up. You know, I had uh, uh, the former team that I was on with the uh, Federal Reserve for their red team. There was a guy, Stephen Thomas, who was just like that. Mm-hmm. Incredibly intelligent, super talented hacker. And, um, you know, he really fostered growth and really shared. And so, you know, there's going to be a lot of points, I think, that if you're being honest with yourself, in my opinion. I mean, maybe, maybe there's some people out there who are just amazing. They're like the Luke Skywalker of hacking, you know, um, but I'm definitely not that. And so, you know, being able to say like, hey, uh, is anybody a pro with like hardware? Is anybody a pro with Wi-Fi, you know? Uh-huh. And that's how you learn, right? So yeah. um, there's definitely, but but your point about imposter syndrome is something that I've definitely grappled with. And I think that um, it's probably as you get further along in the career field, it's pretty ubiquitous with it because, you know, there's, there's going to be a point where you're like, why do, wait, what, you know, like, why are they trusting me with this much knowledge? Or like, you know, I don't know anything about this system. I just found a SQL injection, et cetera, et cetera. Uh But, you know, the fact that you're there kind of like, you know, making the donuts per se, or or you're turning out the widgets, like you're going to get better. And, Mm -hmm. And hopefully, you know, it won't go away entirely, but it'll go away to a degree because, you know, you'll find that at least I've found that even if you might not feel like initially you're an expert in something, like a good example of that might be social engineering. Mm-hmm. You know, you call enough people and ask them for passwords that eventually you'll be like, I mean, I'm not like the best, but I'm not afraid to call somebody or walk up and be like, hey, I can't help but notice that you've got a, a t-shirt that says you work for, you know, 
um, Robinhood, you know, trading platform or whatever. Like, uh-huh. do you work there? You know, et cetera, et cetera. Like you, you get more comfortable with it. So it doesn't go away, but it, it gets better. <laughs> yeah. Maybe you learn, you learn strategies of, of how to, when you get to those points where you're unsure, or you're, you have strategies for dealing with that and you know, if I just ask these questions, I'll, you know, not of the, not in the social engineering, but of the people I work with, I'll get to a different, you know, step further or something maybe. So yeah, yeah. that's really cool. Um, I want to get to some of the courses that you've taught for us. Um, you've done some of the most cutting edge courses that we have and covering recent vulnerabilities that have come out and um, you show people how to exploit it and then how to mitigate it. So you kind of have both sides of the coin and um, you've done a Hive Nightmare course, Installer File Takeover, the MSHTML vulnerability, and we just released the Log4j vulnerability course that you did with Clint Care, yeah. which is so exciting. Um, I mean, I know it's, um, you know, everybody's heard from, heard about it and everything. Um, but I wonder what, you know, what you think about those courses that you've done like that on the vulnerabilities and, and, you know, what you like about doing those courses. Sure. Yeah. I mean, like you said, the fact that they're cutting edge and the knowledge is like important, it's at Mm -hmm. the forefront. SOC teams could use it like right now. Uh, pen testers could use it. Red teamers could use it right now. Um, that's probably one of my favorite parts about it. You know, the other thing is, is with Log4j, I mean, Clint is amazing, super smart, stellar dude. So obviously any chance I get to work with him, I'm going to be like, of course. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so it's nice to have a, even if it's a course that is cutting edge and, you know, I feel pretty confident in it, it's always good to have a battle buddy to kind of bounce ideas off of. And so super appreciative of of Clint, you know, providing that and, and doing what he did. But um, I think that in general, you know, all those courses, that the best part about it is that it's been cutting edge because, you know, like, again, with the Log4j example, I mean, there's still a lot of concern out there, you know, even though there's been like two or three patch cycles where they've, hey, upgraded to 2.15. Nope, upgraded to 2.16. Nope, upgraded to 2.17, you know, like, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> it's, it's important because, you know, there are teams that might not be able to patch. Like, so then what do they do? Are there compensating controls that we can use? Are there, you know, Java, you know, variables that we can declare in the command line that might protect the system, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Um, And then even further, like, why is this an issue, right? So all those things taken into consideration and then having the ability to exploit it in a lab like we do with the the courses, Mm -hmm. it's it's fun creating the lab, right? Mm -hmm. Um, It's fun setting up the kind of shooting gallery for the student and then kind of walking them through what's happening. So, you know, I I just think they're really fun courses, but for me, the most fun part of it is is it's something that's commensurate to what's going on in the industry. I mean, even the older ones, I say older, but like installer (laughs) file takeover or the MSHTML one, like there's, I'm still, there's, I'm positive there's still systems out there that are vulnerable to it or it's applicable in some capacity. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, look how long it took for Eternal Blue to go away. Mm -hmm. I mean, I would argue there's probably some systems out there that still are legacy and are vulnerable to eternal blue. So, you know, it's it's good knowledge to have and um, having the ability to kind of walk through, hey, like these declarations or imports in the Java code or, you know, these aspects in the Windows system are what makes it vulnerable. You know, misconfigurations are everywhere. So, but uh, they're very fun courses to make too, for sure. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, we're so fortunate because we have you, you know, you guys do these courses, but you're part-time for us, but you're out there in the trenches at real companies, you know, real, you know, in the government and other places, you know, we have people all across the spectrum um, in the trenches. And so you come to us and say, Hey, this is, this just happened. Everybody's dealing with it. We should do a course on it. And it's really exciting. And, you know, just, we feel like we're giving our learners a real life situation to, to learn from. So I think that's always really awesome. Um, 
And we're also um, been starting to roll out our MITRE TTP courses. So these are um, courses that focus on the MITRE attack framework and specific uh, tactics, techniques, and procedures, TTPs, um, and how to detect them and mitigate them. And you did our first prototype course for the SSH authorized keys. It's not a prototype anymore, but uh, when we started it out and... um, and you're you're going to be working with uh, one of our defensive SMEs um, defenders um, on these courses, and you know you guys will be working together to show how to detect these things and mitigate them. And you'll be kind of the the adversary in the background doing the stuff, and then they're going to be showing how to detect it, which is going to be really cool. Uh, what do you think that both offensive and defensive practitioners can gain from these courses? Sure. So I mean. I think there's a lot to be gained personally. Uh, the fact that, you know, you can, from the defensive side, understand what the, the adversary is going to be doing. Um, and then from the adversarial side, understanding what the defender is going to be looking for, uh, you know, not to reuse an analogy, but, you know, the shield that blocks can also bash the sword that strikes can also parry or repost or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. And so having that flexibility of knowledge is, is, is really crucial. I think, especially if you are on the edge of defending enterprise organizations. I mean, truly, willing and truly, the blue team, they're the, the real champions. They're the real heroes. The red team is there to train the blue team. Um, you know, if, if the red team is constantly beating up the blue team, then that's that's a problem, right? Because it's not commensurate so that the team can grow. Um, and maybe you're emulating somebody who's too advanced, right, to build up. Mm-hmm. The blue team should never be fully dogged by the red team. Uh, but on the same hand, if the, the blue team is constantly shutting down the red team, they're not learning anything, right? Mm-hmm. So it's a co-evolution, uh, wolves and deer per se, right? You know, the fastest wolf catches the, you know, the deer and the deer get faster and then the slowest wolf, you know, doesn't quite make it. So um, it's, it's important to have both sides of that perspective and to understand both sides of, of the coin. Um, and so I think there's a lot that they can learn from that. You know, again, the detection's in place, right? If you're an adversary emulation, you know, expert or specialist, or you're you're just, you know, working with some contractors that are running something, understanding, you know, what they might be running against or what you might be running against. Uh, case in point, audit, right? Good audit rules, uh, they're, they're going to see what's going on in the box. So how do you blend in or how do you move around that? Same with Sysmon, right? Um, you know, they might be using EDR or something like that. What are they hooking in regards to memory? I mean, there's, there's things to, to learn and you can learn those things usually from seeing how the blue team detected what you did. And then vice versa with the blue team, hey, the attacker's flow is this, but if there's a deviation from this one tactic that you normally use or this one technique, we know they're going to use phishing um, but you know, they might not always use, for example, like a uh, reflective DLL injection. Maybe for some reason they're choosing PowerShell because they have an idea that, you know, they can just run a PowerShell encoded command and there's a blind spot there. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot to be learned, I think. And I think that, you know, that's the crux of true network defense as we stand in, you know, in 2022, you know, computer network exploitation is definitely something that's on everybody's mind. And we see a lot of with ransomware and things like that. So I think that both parties can learn from it. And I think that it's a nice deviation from an exploit course, right? To show Mm -hmm. kind of what things would look like on the wire. Yeah, I mean, I and I love your al- analogy with this the sword and the and the shield and everything. That's that's really cool. And and yeah, we're really hoping that I mean, you guys are going to feed off of each other putting the courses together and then we hope those same, you know, different sides out there also get, you know, get something out of the courses. So, really excited to see where that goes and um it'll be really cool. Um yeah, so I wanted to get some fun fun questions in here before you run out of time. So, um, are, does everyone in your family consider you the IT guy? 
Oh yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> unfortunately, uh, once they know you know how to operate computer, you are branded <laughs> as computer person. <laughs> um, my mom asks me a lot of questions constantly. It's kind of, uh, a fun thing because, you know, we'll be talking and then you know, like hang up and then like 15 minutes later, hey, I've got a question about my browser or I just got this Mac. How do I do X? And you're like, okay, <laughs> let's walk through this. Um, yeah. the, the, is it the Wi-Fi or is it like blah, 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 blah or whatever, you know? So you go through all of those processes and all of those things. But the nice part is, is that uh, it's, it's kind of reflective of, hey, people, you're the go-to person for it, right? Yeah. So you always have a conversation topic, I guess. <laughs> but you also help your family hack things too, right? Because you were telling oh, yeah. me the other day about RFID tags and like reusing them and stuff. Yep, yep, that's exactly <laughs> right. You know, if there's like a piece of technology, like for example, a kid's toy, I think that like there's a lot of, um, I forget, I think they're my fair tags, but um, you know, some of the, uh, they're real popular, like their games with like a little portal and they can put the toy on the portal. You know, I was like, well, if it's just reading the tag, maybe we could clone it, you know, and then you go out and you get your Proxmark and you clone it. And you're like, okay, cool. Maybe there's another, maybe we, maybe we could, you know, find another tag somehow, you know, and then copy that. And then even though we don't have the figurine for the kids, we could be like, hey, you could be, you know, whatever character. So uh-huh. there's, there's always uh, little things that, like you said, your family's like, hey, can you do this? Like, <laughs> I don't know. Can I do that? Let's see. <laughs> Help, be my help desk person and my hacker so I can hack my life. Um, yeah. No, that's awesome. So um, also I wanted to ask you about any TV or movies, the TV shows or movies that um, either accurately or ridiculously inaccurately show what you do. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, this is a good one. Um, so most accurate, Mr. Robot, um, the guy that uh, I, I know somebody personally who, who owns uh, Hacker Warehouse, who was a, con- a consultant for them in their their TV series and like making it more realistic. So I think Mr. Oh, Robot, cool. as most people would say, is probably the best example of it, especially like some of the earlier episodes um, and then later episodes too. They do some cool stuff. Um, the least accurate, I would probably say, I want to say it's like CSI. I, I don't know. I think my, maybe it was Miami, but there's a dual dueling keyboard hacking scene where like essentially one of the technicians is hacking and she's like, oh, I can't, I can't keep up. They're hacking too fast. And then like this other guy comes over and goes, let me help. And then they're typing on the same keyboard at the same time. Like That's like, gotta what? be the worst. Yeah. Oh it's like gosh. that. Exactly. You know, just, uh. And then maybe someone could just get like a USB splitter and plug in another keyboard. You could add two more people and you could have <laughs> quadra hacking, you know, like quad damage. Like, okay, no, I'm just, yeah, ridiculous. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm definitely going to have to go back and, and watch some of the earlier episodes of, of Mr. Robot though, because you're the second person I've heard say how realistic it is. I have to go check that out for sure. Cause I'm sure yeah. when I saw it, I wasn't paying attention to like, I wasn't even thinking anything was real. So I was like, not even paying attention to that. But now I'm going to be like, Hey, I should pay attention to this. So Okay. Last of the fun questions. How intense is your home network setup? So my home network setup is probably not as exciting as most of my peers. Um, my wife kind of hates my home network setup uh, <laughs> because I'm like, hey, let me just build this application or slash device or whatever on a Raspberry Pi and we'll just plug it into the network and then route a bunch of traffic through it and Raspberry Pi's aren't exactly built for intense duress, you know, like uh-huh. they're more like a hobbyist thing. <laughs> So, you know, I've got one of them on a network tap, like a throwing star. And it's like, okay, so now I can see what, you know, is being called before it even hits my Raspberry Pi um, pie hole, right? And then I've got like, you know, all the other stuff going on in the background. And it's like, you know, I look over at it now. And it's like a Frankenstein of like glowing, like blinky lights and like wires everywhere. And, and, you know, I see some of my peers and they're like, oh, 
well, I have, you know, a dream machine and the dream machine is in a, a nice server case. The server case is mounted. All the wires are meticulously maintained. There is also <laughs> some LED cables. So it has a nice cool glow. And I'm like, that's not me, buddy. Like I'm all like, let's see, uh, let me just plug this bad boy together and didn't get a shock. Not electrocuted. That's a wires great Wires everywhere. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a little bit of a dumpster fire, but hey, it gets the job done. And, uh, you know, with, with little gremlins, like it's kind of hard to like take the time and be like, all right, I'm going to go make this better. But, you know, sometimes you have to carve uh, time, like uh, case in point, your Raspberry Pi is blocking your podcast connection. Yes. We didn't have that happen. No. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> Here we're thinking, oh, Matt's not going to have any technical problems doing this podcast. Um, <laughs> we run into all this. Something like, breaks. <laughs> Why don't you have this hooked up? No, that's great. <laughs> Um, well, cool. Well, like I said, I was so happy to have you on the podcast. Um, you know, you make everything fun. It's always so much fun to work with you. We, you know, we deal with serious things, serious, you know, vulnerabilities and, you know, sort of under pressure a lot. We got to get this course done and get out. And, you know, we're working like part-time after hours and, and all that, but you always have so much humor and, um, you know, you just make it enjoyable. So, I want, want to thank you for that. And I look forward to doing more courses with you. And, um, and I don't, I don't really do them. So everybody knows I just kind of <laughs> help get them, get them out there. But, um, but yeah, I want to thank you for coming on the podcast. I hope we have you back and, uh, maybe next time I'll be in the actual studio and we won't have so much COVID stuff going, going on yeah. again. And, uh, we can, we can do it again. Cool. Well, thanks. Thanks for having me. And, and, and like you said, I mean, it's, as a course manager, it's great working with you and, excited about the uh, the courses that we'll have in the future. So again, thanks for having me on and uh, appreciate it. Yeah, great. Okay, cool. Well, thank you to our listeners for, for tuning in. I hope you all join us next time on the Cyberry Podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to our, our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. And we'll see you next time. Take care. Cyberry the premier cybersecurity skill development platform, is empowering individuals and teams to secure the future of technology. See why 3 million people have already signed up when you visit www.cybrary.it.